Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here on a Thursday at 6 o'clock. You're just in time for our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Here and now for you on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger, and well, look who's back. Hi, Deb. <laughs> hey, Bud. I'm Deborah <laughs> Roberts. Our top stories this morning, starting off with bad news. Five police officers have been shot across the nation, and a Volusia County deputy and a land veteran is honored. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And for Kavanaugh's accuser, it's time to put up or shut up. We're talking about it next on Good Morning Orlando. Still feels like June here in Central Florida. Mm. Right now it's 6.02 on News Radio 93.1. At least five police officers were shot on Wednesday in three separate encounters across the nation. Two officers in Prince George's County, Maryland, are in stable condition at a Baltimore hospital. There is no suspect in custody in that case. In Los Angeles, deputies got into a shootout and two were injured there. One suspect is dead and two others are in custody. The deputies are in serious but stable condition. And then in Masontown, Pennsylvania, police shot and killed a suspect who was allegedly firing at people inside an office building. One officer was among the four people injured in that case. All of the shooting victims are in fair condition. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Closer to home, a Volusia County deputy now has a federal recognition for what his boss calls one of the best examples of law enforcement work he has ever seen. Deputy Justin Ferrari was awarded the Law Enforcement Congressional Badge of Bravery yesterday for his work in a domestic violence call two years ago. During a gunfight between deputies and a man in Deltona, Ferrari braved gunfire to evacuate the man's wife and his children to safety. Senator Bill Nelson put the medal around Ferrari's neck at yesterday's ceremony in Deland, and Nelson tells the Daytona Beach News Journal that Ferrari's bravery was extraordinary. And so it was. What a great story here right off the top this morning, Deb. Well, we're back to uh, the bad news of Hurricane Florence's leaving behind serious flooding in the Carolinas. President Trump got a firsthand look at the devastation yesterday and described it as, quote, epic. Trump called Florence one of the most powerful and devastating storms in U.S. history. Florence is blamed for the deaths of more than 30 people and millions of livestock animals have also died as a result of the storm. Meanwhile, people across the Carolinas could find themselves victims of financial predators, uh, financial predators after Hurricane Florence. Public watchdog groups say people need to watch out for con artists working for scams that can take in desperate storm victims and those who want to help. These will try to con people into donating to fake charities. They'll rip off homeowners with bogus insurance and grant schemes. There's also price gouging on rebuilding and stealing people's identity. A hurricane help resource guide is available at ussprig.org. Uh, President Trump, or rather the lawyer for the woman accusing Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh of sexual assault, says there's no rush to a hearing. A Senate hearing is scheduled for Monday to address Ford's claim that Kavanaugh held her down and groped her when they were both teenagers in high school. Christine Blasey Ford's attorney said in a statement that there are multiple witnesses who should be included in the proceeding. Ford herself does not want to testify unless the FBI investigates the claims. 
where everybody's talking about Monday in a moment. We'll talk about why tomorrow, Friday, might be even more important than all of this drama. That'll be our lead talk topic in a moment from now. Well, this was embargoed until 6 o'clock this morning, so I'm five minutes outside of the top of the hour, so I'm going to go for it. You get to break this one. I get to break this one, and you have such a cool interview coming up later on this morning. But uh, finally, Orlando's entry in a new pro football league now has a name. Mm-hmm. The Alliance of American Football Team is being called the Orlando Apollos. I like that. I like that. He's the god of the sun. Yeah, he is. Uh, the, the Apollo space program. Oh, it there all we works. Go. There we go. It all works. Yeah, well, they're scheduled to start playing next February with home games at UCF's Spectrum Stadium. The Apollos head ball coach is Florida Gators legend Steve Spurrier will be Bud's guest later on this morning. How yep. did you nail Steve Spurrier? Oh, oh, oh I you're can't the Bud man. We had a lot of, not necessarily, we yeah. had a lot of help getting that done, but the head ball coach, Steve Spurrier, live with a Bud man about the brand new team and the brand new name. He's going to be the head coach of a pro football team you'll be able to go see right here in Orlando, the Orlando Apollos. Steve Spurrier right here at quarter to eight this morning. All right. Well, WFLA News Time right now at 6.06. And hey, watch as a police canine takes down a man who tried to kidnap a child. See why these dogs like to take a bite out of crime at mm-hmm. WFLAOrlando.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Henninger, Deborah Roberts, and Michael Yaffe. Deb Meister, you're a sight for sore eyes, and uh, <laughs> folks love listening to you. It is great to have you back with us. Thank you, bud man. All right, and Yaffe in the control room. Steph will be taking your calls, 407-916-5400. If you've been watching and listening to all of the drama surrounding this whole thing with Kavanaugh and, uh, and Christine Ford, and you've got something to say to get off your chest, this is the place. Get in early at 407-916-5400. Toll-free is now 866-916-5400. Text line is 23680. Standard message and data rates apply there. Just a reminder, and some of you may just be catching up with this, if you listen to us on the FM dial at 102.5, change is coming. Be sure to move now to 93.1 and lock it in on your preset because 102.5 FM goes away starting October 1st. No changes for those of you who listen to us on AM 540 or on high-definition radio at 107.7 HD3. Our website, by the way, is now WFLAOrlando.com. We're right down the edge of put-up-or-shut-up time for Kavanaugh's accuser, and I'll give you the very latest we have and my thinking on it all, and I'll definitely want to hear from you. We'll dive in right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes here on 93.1 WFLA-FM and AM540. For Kavanaugh's accuser, this West Coast professor, Christine Ford, the message is pretty clear from the Senate Judiciary Committee. It is time to put up or to shut up. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley um, sent Ford's lawyers yesterday another letter saying that if Ford intends to come to the public forum, the hearing set up and Kavanaugh is planning to be there this coming Monday, that, quote, consistent with committee rules, Dr. Ford's prepared testimony and biography are due to the committee by 10 a.m. tomorrow. Okay? Well, Ford still hasn't said whether she'll testify at all. Her lawyers are saying she's been getting death threats. 
They've had to leave their home in, in California. It's been terrifying. She wants to speak. She needs more time. They keep on moving the goalpost, the Democrats, because, and Yaffe, you and I have talked about this off air. There are two things at work here. Christine Ford is being used by the Democrats, whether there's any, any validity to what she is accusing Kavanaugh of, of trying to essentially to rape her when they were at a drunken party as teenagers more than 35 years ago. They have two missions here, to delay, 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 and to destroy Kavanaugh, Trump's pick for Supreme Court. And, uh, and they've been trying to run the clock out, and if nothing else, this is what Christine Ford is all about. Well, and this is the latest attempt of that. The Democrats have been trying to delay this from the beginning with a whole bunch of different tactics. This is just, you know, the latest example. And the Republicans are being very, very conscious of the fact they don't look like they're insensitive to a woman's claim of sexual abuse, misconduct, assault, um, harassment, whatever it happens to be in the Me Too era. And that is as it should be. They are bending over. Grassley says... She doesn't have to sit next to Kavanaugh with the TV lights on Monday morning. I never said that. She doesn't have to testify publicly. She can do it privately. She doesn't have to come to Washington. We will send staffers out to her to talk with her privately in a location of her choosing. And still crickets from the Christine Ford camp. Now, I'm not saying she might not come forward, but more and more people who might be on the fence and have been inclined to vote down the Kavanaugh nomination are now saying if she doesn't come forward, and tomorrow is the deadline for informing the committee whether she will or whether she won't, then they need to go ahead and take the vote. And there are many who are saying, you know, that, that if she doesn't come forward, that Kavanaugh is going to be confirmed, and as well he should be. You can't just throw an allegation out there from 35 years ago for which there is no proof. It's not a crime. It's not a federal crime for sure. You know, if it's some kind of a state crime, trust me, statute of limitations would have run out years ago. But the FBI's in the business of, 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 of investigating federal crimes. I mean, there's no police record of this. She didn't report it. She didn't talk about it for 30 years until she talked about it with her husband and her therapist, for crying out loud, in 2012. I mean, this, this, is, this is crazy. You cannot destroy a man and undermine the confirmation process for such a critically important job in our republic, Supreme Court justice, with an allegation that not only is unprovable... But you will not even come forward and and testify about it and tell your story. We can't have that. And even those who are no fans of Kavanaugh and particularly of Trump are saying, you know what, if she doesn't come forward, let's go ahead and vote. I mean, the likes of Susan Collins, Jeff Flake even, in the in the in the United States Senate, it's only fifty. 149 there, so you don't know how this is all going to play out. I still think there, I think this Kavanaugh nomination is still in great jeopardy, but less so perhaps than it was a few days ago. And, and, and the, the absolute linchpin as to how this goes is whether or not Christine Ford will testify. And then what is it that she has to say? Do you agree with me? It is put up or shut up time, Christine Ford 
and the Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee, for crying out loud, have bent over backwards to accommodate you. How do you see it all? 407-916-5400. The uh, toll-free is now 866-916-5400. You can text me at 23680. Before I move on here, let's bring on Kevin in Melbourne on Kavanaugh's accuser. Still no signal from her that she will testify in any form or forum. What do you think, Kevin? I think it's because she's a liar. That's why. Because she doesn't want to get up and... and, uh have to, you know, be sworn in and, and lie in front of Congress. She's a liar, just like the li- just like the women that lied uh, against um, <laughs> against um, Clarence Thomas. You know, what I'm talking about Clarence Thomas, Herman Cain. No, not yeah, yeah. Herman Cain lied about Clarence Thomas. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But All no, right. No, no, no. Well, maybe you're right. I don't know, and we'll see what happens. Okay. Um. There we are. We'll do more on this in the 8 o'clock hour, by the way. we got a bloodbath, bloodbath, forgive me, coming in the Justice Department? I think we may. I mean, I don't understand how Jeff Sessions doesn't quit as Attorney General. President, yesterday, really let him have it in a way he never has before. And uh, it's clear he's trying to get him to quit. But more on what happens if that happens. Listen to this. In an interview in the Oval Office on, with Hill TV... The president launched a broadside, really, really ferocious blast at Jeff Sessions, saying this, I don't have an attorney general. It's very sad. I got to tell you, Yaffe, if the wonderful folks I work for here, you know, if the boss said, you know what, we don't have a morning talk show host. I'm very (laughs) disappointed. I'm very sad. I wouldn't be in this building for five minutes. Yeah, that would well, how be can tough. you work under those conditions? I don't know. It's unbelievable. Nothing back on this from Sessions. He said, "I don't have an attorney general. It's very sad." You know, and he, of course, the president is really, really angry and has never let up on his on his feelings about um, the decision when he became attorney general to recuse himself from the Russian collusion investigation because of his role in the Trump campaign. Uh, Trump went on to say, "I'm not happy at the border. I'm not happy with numerous things, not just this." said he had a blind spot when he chose Sessions to be attorney general. Quote, I'm so sad over Jeff Sessions because he came to me. He was the first senator that endorsed me. He wanted to be attorney general. I didn't see it. And then he went through the nominating process, and he did very poorly. I mean, he was mixed up. He was confused. People had worked for him, you know, a long time in the Senate. They were not nice to him. But he was giving very confusing answers, answers that should have been easily answered. It was a tough time for him. And now it turns out the president said to Hill TV he didn't have to recuse himself. Trump was asked whether or not uh, he might actually do what everybody's been waiting for, fire Sessions. The answer, we'll see what happens. A lot of people have asked me to do that. We'll see how it goes with Jeff. I'm very disappointed in Jeff. Very disappointed. Um, I, I think this is common. I don't know whether it's right after the midterms or before or whatever. But I mean, this is how can Sessions stay on under these conditions? Could you, wherever you work, if the boss was publicly saying that about you, how in the world? Could you continue, you know? Yeah, if you if you looked at me through the glass and said, I don't have a producer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You'd say, what I would all do. right, bud man, sayonara, go get right. one. <laughs> but Jeff Sessions keeps going on. I don't it's, know. I don't get it either. But now the deputy attorney general is Rod Rosenstein. Great piece by Greg Jarrett, who's a 
an author and a lawyer and a legal analyst for Fox News, saying, now we have Trump, as he has the right to do as president, ordering the declassification of this Pfizer report, um, the Carter Page story and all of that that we have talked about, and also all of those text messages from the likes of Comey and Strzok and his lover Page and everybody else, Andrew McCabe, ordered these things declassified without any redactions to them, and Rosenstein has dragged his feet on this all along the way, and if he refuses to follow the president's order in a timely fashion, the president needs to fire him for complete insubordination. And Christopher Wray, the FBI director that um, that Trump put in to replace Comey after he fired Comey, he would be part of the foot-dragging process too and ought to be fired as well. I think Jared is right on that. You could be looking at a big-time Justice Department bloodbath, Sessions, Rosenstein, and Ray. It could be coming. I kind of feel it in the air. Don't you? 407-916-5400. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to take calls on that right now because we want to bring Deb in here with a news update at the bottom of the hour. My co-host Deborah Roberts back with us after a couple of well-deserved days off. We don't like to see this. Police under the gun in several locations around the country. What's the latest on that this morning, Deb? Well, Bud, we've got five police officers are recovering from three separate shooting incidents across the country. In Los Angeles, two deputies were injured in a shootout Wednesday One suspect is dead and two others are in custody. The deputies are in serious but stable condition. Two officers in Maryland are in stable condition after being shot in Prince George's County. There's no suspect in that case. And in Masontown, Pennsylvania, police shot and killed a suspect who was allegedly firing at people in an office building. One officer was among the four people injured. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. I know you're getting ready to talk about all of the latest uh, polls that are out there uh, mm-hmm. regarding uh, different races. Well, yep. the latest Reuters-Ipsos poll of Florida's races is giving Democratic candidate Andrew Gillum the lead over his GOP rival Ron DeSantis. According to Ipsos's Chris, Chris Jackson, Gillum's lead is both with the Democratic Party and with independents. Gillum's really been able to sort of coalesce. Uh, the Democratic Party behind him. And we see that with 93% of Democrats supporting him. Uh, DeSantis doesn't seem to have done quite as well with Republicans. He's only got 88% of Republicans supporting him. So that's a big part of the margin. The other story that's really interesting is independents are going three to one for Gillum right now, 61% to 21%. Jackson says independents also seem to be more opposed to Donald Trump than in favor of him. And that's helping Andrew Gillum, though it's not helping Bill Nelson as much. In the meantime, Florida's U.S. Senate race remains a dead heat. That's according to a new poll. Reuters, Ipsos, and the University of Virginia Center for Politics surveyed likely voters and found Republican Rick Scott with a one-point lead over Democratic incumbent Bill Nelson, 46 percent to 45 percent. Four percent support other candidates and six percent are undecided. Independent voters prefer Nelson over Scott by a margin of 50 to 22 percent. And finally, the father of a student killed in the Parkland school shooting is criticizing Andrew Gillum. The Democratic nominee for governor is set to appear at a fundraiser tomorrow in Fort Lauderdale. And Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel is expected to be there. Andrew Pollack blames Israel in part for the deadly school shooting. And he said yesterday, it's absolutely disgraceful that Gillum is campaigning with Israel. Pollock is supporting Republican nominee Ron DeSantis, and he says Israel should be removed from office.
You can get these stories and more at WFLAOrlando.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. That's right, Deb, and um, let's bring her in right now, live from New York City as Yaffe throws the switch in the Bloomberg Newsroom, where we find Gina Cervetti. And good Thursday morning to you, Gina. Good morning, bud. Hey, we got some economic data and earnings coming in today that I'm sure investors will be uh, taking a look at. But first of all, let's look back on the market's performance and check out those futures as we get ready for today's session. All right. Well, the futures are edging a little bit higher here so far this morning. Traders keeping their eye on the latest twists in global trade. Also watching for some housing data today. We get the update on existing home sales. That's an important one. We get the weekly jobless claims numbers. And Darden Restaurants, based in Orlando, right there owning Olive Garden, they report earnings today. Now, we did have stocks mostly higher yesterday as banking shares rose. Caterpillar and Boeing provided a boost for the Dow. It was up 159 points. That's a gain of about six-tenths percent and closed at 26,406. The S&P was up about four points or a tenth of a percent to 2908. The Nasdaq was little changed and closed at 7950. And the Bloomberg Orlando Index was up about three-tenths of a percent. All right, now, everybody, listen up. Gina's got a Bloomberg exclusive. The old expression is what? Cash is king? Not in the eyes of Amazon looking to do something very interesting. What's the story? Well, sources tell Bloomberg that Amazon may open as many as 3,000 new Amazon Go cashierless stores in the next few years around the country. Such an aggressive and costly expansion would threaten everything from convenience stores like 7-Eleven to sandwich shops like Subway and mom-and-pop pizzerias, even food trucks. The company currently has a handful of these stores located mostly in its home city of Seattle, plus one in Chicago. Sensors and computer vision technology detect what shoppers take and then bills them automatically, eliminating checkout lines. Yesterday, when this news came out, shares of grocers fell and retail rivals as well. Wow, this will be really interesting. Could be a huge game changer. Thanks for the exclusive on that. And as we continue, Gina, looks like we may have a strike at some Marriott hotel locations. We got a bunch of Marriott's within the sound of my voice. What can you tell us? Well, right now it looks like eight Marriott-branded hotels could soon face a strike by workers who point the finger at a program that asks guests to give up fresh sheets for a night. A union spokesperson tells Bloomberg that almost 8,500 workers are prepared to strike in several cities so far, and Orlando so far not on this list, according to the article that I've seen, but it does include Boston, Detroit, San Francisco, and San Diego, at least at this point. Uh, the union spokesperson telling Bloomberg that while Marriott's Green Choice program is environmentally friendly because it saves on washing these sheets as right. someone decides not to get new ones for a night, this spokesperson also says it hurts the workers by cutting back on their hours. You know, I can remember when they trotted this out as an experimental program. It was some years ago. It's interesting that we don't have a threat of a strike until now on this, but we will watch for it uh, in the Marriott chain. Before you go, there's a new survey you want to share with us, Gina, about how college students are spending more time working at their paid job than they are working on their studies. What's up with that? Well, it's the price of tuition and massive debt, bud. American college students now spend more time working their jobs, as you pointed out, 
than dealing with their schoolwork. And just looking at the details here in a survey issued by HSBC, it shows that 85% of current students do hold down jobs. They spend an average of 4.2 hours per day working. That's more than double what's spent in the library, almost two hours more than they spend in class, and 1.4 hours more than they spend studying at home. A separate report from Chegg showed six in ten students feeling anxious about their finances frequently or, quote, all of the time. Most interesting as always. Great having you with it, Gina. Gina Cervetti live from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City every morning at 635. We'll look forward to tomorrow morning with you. Until then, take good care and thanks, Gina. You too. Thanks, bud. All right. Just ahead, polls, polls, polls. Some you haven't heard yet. And one that is the scariest one of all to me. I'll share it all with you in a moment, and we'll see what you think. First, though, an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. And I'll have it in two minutes for you here on Good Morning Orlando. So we're, um, well, we're under seven weeks away now from the midterms. I've got polls, polls, polls. And I've got one that I consider to be the scariest one of all. And you Trump supporters need to listen to that one. It's coming up in just a moment. First of all, a little bit more on what Deb already told you here. We have a poll on the Florida's governor and Senate races uh, from uh, Thompson, Reuters, Ipsos, and the University of Virginia Center for Politics, okay? And it shows in the governor's race what all the other polls have showed, that, you know, left-wing socialist Andrew Gillum, the Democrats' nominee, is up. In this poll, 42 to 35 over Republican and Trump-endorsed Ron DeSantis, the big margin among independents. In the, um, in the Senate race, it's a narrow lead for Rick Scott, 38-36 over Senator Bill Nelson. On the governor's race, there's another poll that is out now, that shows it closer than any other poll after the primary election in late August has shown us on the governor's race. It has Gillum up only two over DeSantis. But again, it shows what we're seeing in all of these polls for this particular race, that the independents are breaking away from DeSantis and breaking to Gillum. Um, We've talked a lot about what the Republicans need to do. They need to pound home what an extremist Gillum is and what it's going to cost voters if they make him our governor. He wants a massive corporate tax hike, which is a job and business killer. And then he wants all the socialist policies of his hero who endorsed him, Bernie Sanders. That needs to be pounded home. A lot of voters haven't connected with exactly what Andrew Gillum stands for. And it goes way beyond just wanting to impeach Trump. Um... They need to get on the stick with that in the DeSantis campaign. Hopefully the debates will take care of this problem when people realize what a nightmare Florida governed by Andrew Gillum would be. Um, Yaffe's got an interesting piece here on real clear politics, you know, with an average of all of the polls on the the full U.S. Senate and how this could go. Nine Senate seats in the run-up to the midterms could potentially go either direction in the fight for the 51-seat majority. The other 91 seats are either not up in this cycle or at least lean heavily to one or the other parties and are not competitive. And if the pollsters are correct, Real Clear Politics says, to seize control of the Senate, Democrats would need to pick up seven of the nine highly competitive seats, while Republicans would need to secure four of the toss-ups 
to maintain control. They list the most competitive races and fewer more competitive than what we have here in Florida. The real clear politics average of all of the recent polls has Republican Rick Scott up about a point and a half on Democrat Bill Nelson. But here is the most scary poll of all. Gaffey, I'm not even sure that you have heard this one as a student observer of the political scene as you are. Um, This really concerns me. An internal poll by the Republican National Committee shows complacency among strong Trump supporters. 57% of strong Trump supporters, his base, believe that the Democrats have no chance of taking the House of Representatives. And further analysis indicates that the reason we have that is twofold. First of all, the president keeps on saying, I don't talk about the blue wave, there's going to be a red wave. So they believe the president, hey, if you're part of the Trump base, by God, you're, you know, you're going to be on board. If he says it, he ought to know. Look at all he's been able to do. But on the other side, there's a cynicism toward the anti-Trump media, which is legitimate. And thinking, I don't care about the polls. I don't believe the polls. They're all in bed together. The pollsters, the likes of the Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, whatever, all anti-Trump. So, of course, they're going to paint a dire picture of what is coming. I don't believe, is what the Trump supporters are saying, 57% of them, that the Democrats have a chance to take the House. What that does is it, it not only breeds, it, it breeds complacency. Hey, they're not, I don't care what the polls say. I don't buy it. They're lying. We're in great shape. I don't know if I'm going to show up. It's only a midterm election and Trump is not on the ballot. And that's what the RNC is legitimately concerned about, Yaffe, because I don't think, I don't think for a minute that the Democrats have no shot of taking the House. I'm frightened about them getting control not only of the House, but of the Senate. And, 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 and this poll is interesting. 57% of strong Trump supporters believe that there is no chance that the Democrats get the House. And that scares me. You know, it's really interesting. Every time we bring something like this up, you talk about we have listeners who say don't believe the polls, don't believe the polls. But what's interesting is this is an RNC internal poll is what you're saying. This is There's, out of the Republican Party, gang. Yeah, it's this not. This is not news they want to see and hear and convey. But the message is you've got to show up at the polls, okay? You've got to assume that unless you vote, we lose control of the House along perhaps with the Senate. All right. Do you understand where I'm coming from? That's an RNC poll here. Fifty seven percent of you strong Trump supporters think the Democrats have no chance to take control of Congress, no chance to take the House or the Senate. Do You understand where I'm coming from on that? What's your reaction to it? I really want to hear from the base, the Trump supporters. 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Standard message and data rates apply there. A Republican National Committee poll, all right? This is not a poll done by an anti-Trump outlet of any kind. Shows 57% of strong Trump supporters believe the Democrats have no chance to take the House. Even less of a chance to take the Senate. That is scary because it breeds overconfidence and complacency. That's how I see it. Matt, how do you see it as you join me from Claremont? Good morning, Matt. Good morning. But I've been to the Trump rallies. I was at the last one, and we were so excited, and I heard the same roar. And do you know what? Mm-hmm. 
I don't think they're going to win. I, I know. I know what. Who, the news who, who do you think is? Who do you think is not going to win? Be clear here. The Democrats. Okay. I don't think the Democrats are going to win. I I think that since 2010, the Tea Party wave is mm-hmm. still going. Uh, people are still committed, and they love President Trump. And the independents that you're talking about, those people are wishy-washy, and they're not going to vote. Well, I got to tell you, I have to tell you, the Trump base is more rock solid than any politician's constituency I've ever seen in my entire life. But they're thirty-five percent or thereabouts. That's not well, enough. That wait a minute. That by 10. No, that's not enough. You have to have <laughs> other elements in the political spectrum. You got to have some of the independents, whether you think they're wishy-washy or not. You got to win them, or you're not going to well, win anything in this country. Now, Matt, that's just political reality for both parties. Here is Eddie in Claremont. Good morning, Eddie. Good morning, uh, Bud. Uh, uh, look, the Republicans will do pretty good. I think the Democrats overplayed their hand when it came to Judge Kavanaugh, and uh, that's going to fight for And the Trump base is, is 45%, not 35 Whatever. It's not enough. I know, but we're, but you, look, I'm, I'm out here with the regular folks, and they're, they're not – I think the best thing happened is Hillary Clinton and – and uh, Barack Obama back on the campaign trail. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Go ahead and energize the base. That's what we need. All right. Make sure you vote, Eddie. No complacency, please. Text line Yaffe. Yeah, Texter makes the same point. Says it's a dangerous place, complacency. If we don't show up to vote, the liberals will outnumber us at the polls. But another person says, of course we feel we will win in November because we all know that we are going to win and get out and vote. Okay, as long as you show up, I would I would adopt the mindset with all due respect, and I would share this with other people. You know, you need to vote, or the worst is going to happen. The Democrats are going to take over Congress if you don't vote, and your friends that like Trump don't vote in the midterms because Trump's not on the ballot. Trump's presidency is going to be in serious jeopardy because he will not be able to get anything through a Democrat-controlled House and or Senate. Supreme Court pick comes to mind right now because the Democrats, as we've been discussing, are trying to run the clock out on Kavanaugh. Good morning, Orlando. Thursday morning on the 50,000-watt front porch. Welcome aboard at the top of the 7 o'clock hour for our latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Here and now for you on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, five police officers are shot across the nation and Pinellas schools move P.E. indoors because of red tide. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. A record 67 million people in America do not speak English at home. Does it matter? My take and yours next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Thursday morning at 7.04 on News Radio 93.1. At least five police officers were shot on Wednesday alone in three different encounters across the country. Two officers in Prince George's County, Maryland, are in stable condition at a Baltimore hospital. There's no suspect in that case. In Los Angeles, deputies got into a shootout and two were injured there. One suspect is dead and two others are in custody. The deputies are in serious but stable condition. And then in Masontown, Pennsylvania, police shot and killed a suspect who was allegedly firing at people inside an office building. One officer was among the four people injured in that case. All of those shooting victims are in fair condition. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. 
Believe it or not, today marks one year since Hurricane Maria made landfall in Puerto Rico, and Governor Rick Scott is traveling to the island today. He was invited by the Puerto Rican government to join Governor Ricardo Rosello and other senior officials in paying tribute to the lives lost and the destruction left behind. Last week, Scott took issue with President Trump's tweet disputing an independent study's findings that nearly 3,000 people died in Puerto Rico as a result of Maria. The governor responded on Twitter that he's been to the island seven times and has seen the devastation firsthand. Red Tide is forcing some Pinellas County teachers to change their plans. Gulf Beaches Elementary and Madeira Beach Fundamental started holding P.E. classes indoors this week because of Red Tide. The algae bloom has left thousands of tons of dead fish rotting along the beaches. Residents say the smell is making them sick. And one woman who has asthma tells ABC Action News she even has trouble catching her breath. An awful situation. And, of course, it's become a big political issue. You know, Red Tide Rick is the handle that uh, the opposition oh. <laughs> is is placed on our governor running for the uh, Nelson Senate seat. So a lot of politics in the Red Tide. That's the first time I've heard that, yeah, Red well, Tide Rick. It broke when you were away. Uh, well, the latest <laughs> Red Tide uh, report shows high concentrations of the algae bloom along the Pinellas and Manatee County coastlines. In Pinellas, Red Tide is most prevalent at Johns Pass and Clearwater Marina. Tony Fabrizio of Pinellas County Government says the big problem is the dead fish that have been pushed into the intracoastal waterway. Our contractor has focused a lot of resources on the intracoastal trying to capture those dead fish before they come in or before they actually even before they go out. They're, they're being swept in with the incoming tide and swept out with the outgoing tide. And one of the challenges has been that some of the dead fish are getting trapped in the finger canals. And that, he says, has made it difficult for the contractors harvesting boats to squeeze into those canals to scoop up the dead fish. He says the county may need residents who live along those canals to move their boats so crews can remove the red tide debris. And finally, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission is looking for ways to prevent the spread of red tide. Governor Rick Scott's office announced the FWC is partnering with Moat Marine Lab in Sarasota, USF, and the Florida Department of Environmental Protection to see if an experimental red clay will reduce the devastation Mm. of the toxic algae bloom. Yeah, thousands of fish and other sea life, of course, have been washing up on the shores of southwest Florida over the last several weeks because of it. Also, word that red tide has now reached the panhandle. Well, details about how this specialized clay is supposed to help manage red tide and when the experiments will begin have not yet been released. But as soon as they do, we'll let you know. Right now, WFLA News Time at 7.07, and you can watch as a dog tied to a truck is rescued, thankfully, by a sheriff's volunteer just in time. See the dramatic video for yourself at WFLAOrlando.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Nice to have Deb back after a couple of well-deserved days of vacation. And Yaffe's in the control room. Steph will be taking your phone calls. If you listen to us on the FM dial at 102.5, you need to know that we're soon moving exclusively on the FM dial to 93.1. And we're in both frequencies now. But as of October 1st, 102.5 goes away. So lock in 93.1 FM on your preset now. No changes if you pick us up any other way, AM, high definition, or whatever. Um, Our good friends at the Center for Immigration Studies have released a study based on census data that really, really shocked me. It finds that a record 67 million residents in this country speak no English inside their home. 
Is it just their business to do what they want inside behind closed doors? Does this matter? I think it does, and I'll tell you why, and take your calls and text messages. Right after a word from Deb and an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Stay with us here. We'll get to it all within two minutes on News Radio 93.1 WFLA and still on AM540. Does it matter that census data used in a Center for Immigration study shows that our all time record 67 million residents in this country speak no English when they are inside? their homes. Does that matter? The findings, I can tell you, come as more and more reports emerge about both Americans and foreigners getting into heated debates over speaking English. One case in uh, New York last May, a man threatened to call immigration police if employees and customers didn't stop speaking English, speaking English in a restaurant. That's the language in this country, right? Last week in Florida, I think it was down in Hialeah, a Taco Bell patron was turned away because a worker said, Nobody spoke English and couldn't take the order. Here are the top findings from the Center for Immigration Studies report. In 2017, a record nearly 67 million U.S. residents, these are native-born, legal, and illegal immigrants ages 5 and older, spoke a language other than English at home. This number has more than doubled since 1990, almost tripled since 1980, and is far and away the highest it has ever been and growing fast. In America's five largest cities, 48% of residents now speak a language other than English at home. In 2017, there were 85 cities in which a majority of residents spoke a foreign language at home. Florida is among the top states in the growth of the number of residents who do not speak English at home, now nearly 6 million of them in the Sunshine State. The principal alternative language, of course, is Spanish, uh, but then there's Chinese, there's Arabic, and some others. But at any rate, the question is, does this matter, or is it nobody's doggone business what they do and what they speak behind closed doors? Certainly, you have the freedom to speak any language you want, Or to not talk to anybody when you're behind closed doors. I don't know, and it's none of my business, and it's none of your business either, right? I think we agree on that. But i got to tell you, for one thing, I think it matters, because I think when you do not speak English in the home here in America, you handicap your kids who are growing up, who need, if they come from another country, to learn the language and learn it well and be exposed to it as much as possible. And if they're not exposed to it for all those hours they're at home every single day, it handicaps them when they're at school and the teacher's going to be presenting lessons in English. I don't think we have a change in that yet. But it matters in another sense. You know, we're called the United States of America. And how does speaking no English in the home to the tune of 67 million people in this study... How does that help unify us? I don't think it does. I think there's a patriotic component to all of this. You know, immigrants, by and large, used to want to learn English and speak English and assimilate into our culture in every way. They wanted to be learning English, be fluent in it, and speak it everywhere. They came from another country, but they're Americans now. But that's not the mindset with a lot of immigrants today. I mean, if you use any chance you get not to speak the language of our country, do you really love our country? To me, love of country has always been the special glue which unites us. 
makes us in America stronger than any other people. Speaking languish in the home, to me, is an important component of that glue. That's why I think it matters. Do you think it matters that we have a record number of people who, when they close the doors and they're at home with their families, do not speak English? What's your take on that? Does it matter? Or does it not matter? 407-916-5400. The toll-free is now 866-916-5400. Text me at 23680. Never busy there. Standard message and data rates apply. We'll get to you right after I get to this. New study shows an all-time record 67 American residents in this country. Citizens, legal immigrants, illegal immigrants, when they go home with their families, they do not speak English. I told you why I think it matters. They're certainly free to do so, but I've given you my take on it. And Yaffe, what are your feelings? Does this matter? Yes, it does matter. I mean, there's no way to force them to speak English, obviously, and there's no way to us to force businesses to print everything in English or do everything in English. Seems to me you get people who come to this country, if they're really passionate and love the country, you don't have to force anybody. They'll initiate that. They want to speak English in the home everywhere else. The reason why it matters is because culture and language are intertwined. It just is. And when you start to have different groups of people speaking in different languages, it causes divisions in the culture that are very hard to repair. One thing that helps us have a common culture is a common language. We have so many other things that are dividing us now, our politics principally. Yeah. Uh, you know, But we are called the United States of America, and I don't see how this contributes positively toward us being a united people. One thing I will say is I do believe that everything done through government, all government documents, so forth, should be in English. Like, if you take a U.S. citizenship test, that should be in English, which I think it is. Mm -hmm. But sometimes even the government promotes this idea of speaking a different language because they do business in several different languages. I think that's wrong. That being said, you can't force a private business to do something in a language, and you definitely can't force people in the home to speak one language over the other. Oh, no argument there. Text line incoming on this, Mike. Yeah, one person uh, says this, says, I grew up in a Spanish-speaking household. I learned English in school only. My exposure to the languages was in school in the playground. I don't believe I've been handicapped. Quite the opposite. I'm fluent in two languages. Well, I think that's great. But I think there are an awful lot of people, I think the kids would be handicapped in school, who need all the help they can get to get comfortable with English, the language in which they will be taught. Um, Anything else? Yeah, really good text here. It says, the English-speaking issue is a hot button for me. My grand, my grandma from Germany learned English and spoke it all her life. My French grandmother studied and was fluent in English when she emigrated here. You see, that's the way it used to be. It was all about assimilation. The immigrants wanted to do it. It wasn't like we were demanding it of them. They wanted to do it. My God, I finally found the greatest country on earth. I'm free. An economic opportunity. I can be who I want. I can live where I want. This is just awesome. I love this country. I want to be as much a part of it as I can. And part of that is I'm going to learn the language and speak it every waking hour. That was the American melting plot, pot rather that made us as great as we are. But a lot of people right now, they want us to be a salad. You know, 
a tossed salad of all kinds of different ingredients that never really mix. And I think that weakens the unity of the United States of America. We back our law enforcement officers in this country here locally and across the land to the hilt on Good Morning Orlando. Deb, I know you feel passionately in that regard. You've got three stories here that are pretty disturbing from uh, various places around this country. Yeah, where in one day we had five officers shot in separate incidents. Two police officers are in stable condition at a Baltimore hospital after they were shot while executing a drug search warrant yesterday. In Los Angeles, two deputies are in stable condition after a shootout that left a suspect dead. And in Masontown, Pennsylvania, police shot and killed a suspect they say was shooting at people inside an office building, wounding a police officer and three other people. Another big story this morning is if you're traveling and you're going to be flying out of Melbourne International Airport, Melbourne police say Orlando Melbourne International Airport is now back open and has returned to normal operations. It had been shut down and all flights were suspended earlier this morning. An airport spokeswoman said the lockdown was prompted by a security breach as a student pilot boarded a passenger plane in a maintenance facility. The spokeswoman said the student was immediately apprehended by airport police and a security sweep was being conducted before the airport was reopened. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. From the file of I swear I don't make this stuff up. Do you hate pumpkin spice lattes, Mr. Mike? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you live in fear of the first day of autumn when normal, average-looking big-box retail stores and coffee shops around the country become full-time pumpkin spice purveyors? You know what they had at the store the other day? What? Pumpkin-spiced English muffins. That's just wrong. (laughs) You are leading the charge against all things pumpkin spice. It's too much. It's too much. So what's this story about? (laughs) Well, according to one writer at Vox, Mike, you just might hate women. Oh, up you caught me. Yeah, the backlash against pumpkin spice, (laughs) which flavors everything from coffee drinks to dog treats to deodorant to now English muffins. Dog treats. (laughs) Starting around the middle of August is part anti-capitalist. Rebecca Jennings acknowledges. Yes, you know me, the anti-capitalist Mike. absolutely. And a woman (laughs) hater on top of it. Commie pinko. But it's mostly... About our, quote, contempt for women, end quote, coded into a, quote, dismissal of trends that are coded as feminine. Jennings quotes an article from 2017 that claims, quote, when those foods blow up, we judge women for falling for the marketing or trying to jump on the bandwagon. And we assume that because they like something other women like, they don't have minds of their own. And on top of that, women are asked to reckon with consciously or unconsciously the perceived psychosexual symbolism attached to seemingly innocuous foods. Oh, i got to make you say that line again. Do that again. The perceived psychosexual (laughs) symbolism attached to seemingly innocuous foods. You are such a pro. I just don't like the taste. Uh, Refinery29 encouraged women to reclaim the pumpkin spice latte so as to defeat the sexist stereotypes (laughs) liking them reinforces. Anyway. Leafy, you've you got know, a new girlfriend, Steffi. We understand you're going to bring her in here tomorrow so we can meet yeah, her. Yeah, thanks. Bart, you know, <laughs> we're not talking about Stephanie. We all like Stephanie. She screens our calls. But this is Steffi. Does she know where you stand in your opposition to all things oh, yeah. pumpkin spice? I tell are her all on, the time. Are you on firm ground with her? Is she all right with this? Yeah. I mean, she understands, I guess, I'm part of the, the sexist patriarchy. That's right. But she's, she's okay with that, I guess. Right. Is she? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you want to know what I did? 
she really likes the pumpkin spice thing, and she likes the English muffins, so I bought her some of the pumpkin oh, spice English muffins. Oh, look at that. Listen, you know, if you got, if, she's got to keep her. If this relationship goes the distance, you know what? Compromise <laughs> is going to be a part of your life to oh, make yeah. it work. I can tell I, you that. <laughs> no, it's not that I hate, like, pumpkin spice lattes. It's just annoying that everything is now pumpkin spice from well, Cheerios. According <laughs> to Market Watch, it turns out men are equal consumers of pumpkin spice lattes, and they oh, actually really? prefer it to a regular latte. So they can't be can't be a sexist thing if men like it. Yeah, too. exactly. Huh. The backlash Market Watch also suggests could be more easily traced to the latte's creeping introduction date. You know, years before it was in oh. September, it was really used to kind of usher in fall. This year, you've got Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks rolling out their pumpkin spice in the middle of August. There you so go. I can, I can see that because a lot of people get annoyed too, like Christmas stuff coming yeah. out, like in October. It's not even Halloween yet, and some stores already have yeah, Christmas decorations do. up. All right. Finally, yeah. again from the file, I don't make this up. <laughs> a seafood restaurant in Maine is giving marijuana to lobsters. Kind of mellow them out before... Uh... To put them at ease before cooking them. Oh, jeez. Yeah, customers at Charlotte's legendary Lobster Point in Seawall can request to have their lobster sedated with the drug when they order it. The sea creature is placed in a box with some water and marijuana smoke is blown inside. To help calm them down, the owner of the restaurant says she came up with the idea because she wanted to kill lobsters in a more humane way. Marijuana is legal in Maine. You know, what I wonder here is, you know, it's been documented that, you know, when, when a woman is carrying a baby, that if she's on drugs or whatever, that that, that gets into the fetus, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I wonder whether or not you eat those lobsters, whether you got a high or something. I don't think you're going to get a contact high. No? No. Okay. I Unless you sit in no. the box of water with the uh, lobster. But if you <laughs> eat the meat from the lobster that was high when it was killed... That's what I'm saying. They need to do research on that. I'm sure in Maine, you know, <laughs> so, knowing how they are up there, that they'll be doing the research and probably already on it. So do they just hand the lobster a joint, like there's a claw, and they put the joint in the claw? Absolutely. And... Okay. <laughs> Paints a great word picture. <laughs> but first, they've got to teach the lobster how to roll his own. <laughs> okay. Deb, thank you. Up next, You're Steve welcome. Spurrier, Florida Gator head football coach, legendary player i mean the guy is awesome and guess what we have a brand new pro football team and a brand new pro football league that's going to start playing right after the super bowl here in orlando the head ball coach with the bud man and the owner of the orlando team in the alliance of american football live with me i am a huge football fan and for a long time i've been a huge fan of the man to my right steve spurrier Gator legend, Heisman Trophy winner, winning his coach in Florida Gator football history, and he can't get football out of his system. He's alongside the team president for the new Orlando entry in the Alliance for American Football that's about to start playing, and he's going to be the head coach. Steve, welcome aboard, and it's great to have you with us this morning. Well, thank you, bud. I'm thrilled to be coming to Orlando and being the coach of the... uh... Apollo team here That's in Orlando. It. The name of it's going to be? The Orlando Apollos. We, oh. uh, it's a tribute to NASA, the Kennedy Space Center. Apollo Central, program, Central yeah. Florida. Uh, Apollo was the Greek uh, god of the sun, sun god. Yeah, and that's, and, that's uh, we're it. we're the sunshine state. We are. This so is great. I like the way it yeah. sounds. It rolls off the tongue. It's beautiful. It, it is. I think it's reflective of our area here. And uh, 
We believe we're going to put a good team together for the people here in Central Florida, Orlando area, and uh, we start kicking it off, start playing in February of 2019. Fantastic. Right after the Super Bowl, it's the Alliance of American Football. I know there are eight teams, and we've got one of them. You're going to play out where UCF plays at Spectrum Stadium, right? Spectrum Stadium. uh, UCF has been very gracious to us, and uh, Danny White and those guys out there have welcomed us. Uh, so we plan on practicing there and then also have our games there at Spectrum Stadium. I have to ask both of you here, and let me bring you, uh, Mike Waddell. You're the team president in here. I mean, you guys got involved in this. Um, it's going to be football as we know it, but there are going to be some changes here, right? That you know, Some of the things that, that people might have a problem with with the National Football League, you're going to play with a little bit of a different set of rules. Highlight some of those, uh, Coach, mm-hmm. if you would. Okay, first of all, we're not going to have kickoffs. Uh, statistics show that some of those bad injuries, uh, head-on collisions and uh, concussions and things of that nature have happened on the so kickoff. So how, how does the game start? Well, you just put the ball on the 25-yard line. Okay. Uh, every college, uh, when we have our little scrimmages during the spring ball sure. or preseason, we just start the ball on the 25. Uh, nobody does live kickoffs. So we, our, our alliance decided let, let's don't have live kickoffs. Let's don't put players at risk for injuries. Uh, to me, there's nothing worse than seeing a guy laid out, unconscious, and so forth. Sure. So we're going to just put the ball on the 25-yard line and start playing. And uh, there's no extra point. Got to go for two every time. Oh, I like that. So what's going to happen, uh, every team, there's, there's eight teams in, in the alliance, we'll have some funny-looking two-point plays. There'll be some different ball plays, I think, that the fans have never seen before. And they're going to step up the pace. You've got a shorter um, clock per play, right? Correct. The uh, 35 seconds instead of 40 between. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of wasted time. We're not going to have as many replays. We hope to play the game in less than three hours. Wow. Two, two and a half to three hours we hope to play the game. And if you watch it on television, it'll be available fewer commercial breaks, I'm told, or shorter commercial breaks or whatever, right? Correct. We're, Excellent. we're trying to make it fan-friendly, of course, to where the people really enjoy coming. Uh, ticket prices are not going to be very high. Well, President Mike Waddell, let's talk about <laughs> ticket prices to go see the brand-new pro football team that starts playing next February, plays through April, um, the Orlando Apollos. Absolutely. Um, one of the things, Bud, that we're really committed to with the Alliance is making an affordable ticket for all of our fans. So we're going to have sideline seats for $35 in Spectrum Stadium. Looking to fill that place up. And fans right now can get season tickets with a deposit. You can make a deposit right now by calling 833-AAF-2019. That's 833-AAF-2019. And you can also go on to OrlandoApollos.com and get some of that really cool starter gear that we just left for you. Did you? You've got a, an outstanding gift bag. I mean, Coach picked this out personal for you. It's, wow. a, it's a hat. Now, oh, you, there, there, now there, there is the logo. What I'm looking at here, it looks like. Um, is that is that is that Apollo firing an arrow? And if exactly. you do a really good job today, coach is going to get you a visor. You got to earn the visor. Yeah, I need coach. a spurrier visor, and you got a shirt <laughs> for the Bud Man here. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, looking good. I am loving this. I love the logo. Shooting an arrow right through an O. It's kind of like orange. It's kind of like black. Those are the team colors, huh? Yeah. The the sun. Uh, they tell me. Uh, Space, uh, deep space is mm-hmm. a dark blue color. Mm-hmm. So we're navy blue. Oh, okay. And then we've you're got right. The, you're right. It is navy blue. Uh, mm-hmm. The color of the sun. We have a bright orange, and then we'll have a dark orange also. So navy blue and orange will be the team colors also. Now there have been other efforts to compete with the National Football League over the years. You were part of the USFL mm-hmm. once upon a time. 
What is it, guys, about this league that you think will actually go, actually work long term? Well, first of all, we got a TV uh, contract with CBS, uh, which is always helpful. And, yeah. we re- and we really believe we're not competing with college or NFL, uh, February, March, April. Uh, those are the months that I guess we'll compete against basketball a little bit. But uh, we hope to really put a, a good product, which we thoroughly believe we will. There's so many good college football players, there's not enough room in the NFL for these guys to go play. So we're, we're sort of an opportunity league, not only for them, for us coaches too. A lot of us coaches have sort of done our thing, and we were out. And, and this opportunity came up, and, man, I tell you what, I jumped at it. When they said Orlando, you can have the Orlando team, I told my wife, Jerry, she said, let's go. And I said, I've already accepted. So, anyway, uh, yeah, we're pumped up about it, and uh, and, I, and we want the people here in central Florida, Orlando area to, to know this is their team. We're going to put all this contact information for you folks who want to be a part of this and get tickets on the website at WFLAOrlando.com. Closing word, President Mike Waddell, as to what it is that made you want to be on board and run this team. He's sitting right next to me. I mean, you don't get a chance to work with a Hall of Famer very often. And after 30 years of working around uh, college athletics and and last two years with NASCAR, to be a part of something from the beginning, uh, really looking to the the vision of Charlie Ebersol and Bill Poling and the two founders of this league, about if you you don't see something that you like, go out and create it. And that really is really what the Apollo program was about. So it really does come full circle. You know, Kennedy said, you know, we're going to go to the moon, and we yeah. did it. We're going to build this uh, great alliance, and Coach is going to lead Orlando, and we're, we're going to have a heck of a good time out at Spectrum Stadium starting out this February. It's fantastic. One more time on how folks can, um, can sign up and buy tickets. Online right now at OrlandoApollos.com. Put your $50 deposit down for as many as four-season tickets, and you can also call – Toll-free, 833-8AF-2019, AAF-2019. Appreciate you guys making time and coming in here and joining us on Good Morning Orlando. The Alliance for American Football has got an Orlando team. The news this morning, it's the Orlando Apollos, President Mike Waddell, and the man, the myth, the legend, head coach (laughs) Steve Spurrier. Wishing you guys well. We can't wait to watch you play. Uh, Thanks, bud. Good to be with you. Take good care. And in a moment, stay tuned. We'll have an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, of course, and Rush with a morning update. Talk about big football fan. He'll be excited about this, too. It's all ahead in two minutes on News Radio 93.1 WFLA and AM5. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here on a beautiful Thursday at 8 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Here and now for you on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning five police officers are shot across the nation, and an arrest is made and a 19 year old cold case in Sarasota. We'll give you the details coming up in one minute. And for Kavanaugh's accuser, it's time to put up or shut up. We're giving you the latest and talking about it next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Thursday morning. It's 8.03 on News Radio 93.1. There are reports of police officers being shot in three cities across the country. Two officers are in stable condition at a Baltimore hospital after being shot while executing a drug search warrant at an apartment building yesterday. In Los Angeles, two deputies are in stable condition after a shootout that left a suspect dead. And in Masontown, Pennsylvania, police shot and killed a suspect they say was shooting at people inside an office building, wounding a police officer and four other people. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. 
Hurricane Florence is gone, but dangerous flooding is threatening people across the Carolinas. President Trump described the flooding as, quote, epic as he toured damage in North Carolina yesterday. Trump called Florence one of the most powerful and devastating storms in U.S. history. Florence is blamed for the deaths of more than three dozen people and millions of livestock. Meanwhile, the owner of Beachside Hospitality Group is collecting items for Hurricane Florence victims. Crappy's Dockside Restaurant in Clearwater Beach will have a truck sitting outside today and tomorrow to collect items for those impacted by the storm. Diapers, formula, baby food, um, cleaning supplies, blankets, pillows, non-perishables, waters, things that we really take for granted. Yeah, Beachside Hospitality spokeswoman Julia Casino said things like toilet paper are basic necessities people, people oftentimes take for granted. Donations collected throughout today and tomorrow will be taken north to the Carolinas this weekend. A tip is credited with helping police make an arrest in an unsolved death investigation in Brevard County. St. Cloud's Mary Lee Walker was arrested this week for vehicular homicide in the 2014 death of Orlando's Jessica Erskowin in Cocoa Beach. Police say a man came forward this month telling them that Walker admitted to him that she made a big mistake that night. The man told investigators Walker told him that Erskowin fell out of her car while Walker was driving her home and Walker then ran her over. Almost 20 years after Deborah Dalzell was sexually assaulted and murdered in her Sarasota home, an arrest has been made. Sarasota Sheriff Tom Knight says they used the latest DNA technology to create a genetic composite, which led them to family members of the suspect, 39-year-old Luke Fleming, who lived less than a mile from Deborah's home in 1999. His arrest didn't happen overnight, and it wasn't easy tracking him down. But thanks to DNA evidence, coupled with ancestry and genealogy, we have finally connected the dots the detectives have been working on for almost two decades. And Dalzell's sister Peggy says they've waited a long time for justice. Boy. 19 years of graduations, weddings, mm. new babies, and family milestones that Deborah has missed. We miss Deborah every day. We never gave up hope. Yeah, detectives say Fleming has been living in the Bay Area all these years. He's been charged with murder and sexual battery. They've taken this DNA technology that has broken so many cases to a new level, and that was the key here, wasn't it? Yes, it really was. It wow. made a huge difference for mm. this family. And finally, something that makes a huge difference for all of us, bud, some good news. The State Department says terrorists killed fewer people last year. A report by the State Department says deaths from terrorists fell 27% last year. Terrorist attacks were down 23% compared to 2016. The State Department says the trend in fewer deaths was due to fewer attacks and killings in Iraq, where the American-led military coalition has driven ISIS forces from most of the country. The annual report ordered by Congress again labels Iran as the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism. They're still out there, but that's really encouraging news. That trend has been reversed. Yes, it has, thanks to our men and women in uniform. WFLA News Time, it's 8.07. And uh, speaking of our men and women in uniform, they're not the only ones. Watch as a police canine takes down a man who tried to kidnap a child. That dog really takes a bite out of crime. You can see it for yourself at <laughs> WFLAOrlando.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. WFLA is moving down the FM dial. Tune now to FM 93.1. And we're still on AM 540. Right, and that's because 102.5 goes away on October 1st. On FM, will be exclusively a 93.1. We're in both frequencies right now until the 1st of October. But lock in 93.1 on your preset right now. No changes if you listen to us any other way, AM 540, high-definition radio, and et cetera. And might I add that uh, 
the decimation of ISIS, which uh, Deb just cited here, is a real key in the reduced number of terrorist attacks. Um, all credit to the commander-in-chief who gave the order to go get them and take them down, and they have made a huge dent in ISIS. I mean, very serious. And we're some now seeing some fruits of that. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. From your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. Alongside the Deb Meister, the Bud Man here, Yaffe at the controls. Steph's taking phone calls for us today. The text line is available. We're going to talk about um, Kavanaugh and his accuser. It is time for her to put up or shut up. I'll get your take on that if you want to weigh in. I have a lot to say ahead. 407-916-5400. Our toll-free is now 866-916-5400. Text line 23680. Standard message and data rate supply. Got a quick word from Deb and an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here in two minutes. Then we'll get to it on Good Morning Orlando. So there is a deadline that has been issued to... Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh's accuser, this Dr. Christine Ford, who lives out in California, claims that uh, they were at a drunken party when they were teenagers more than 30 years ago and that a young Kavanaugh assaulted her, held her down on the bed, covered her mouth with his hand so she couldn't scream and she thought he was going to rape her and would have if he weren't so dead drunk and that she thought that he might accidentally kill her and she managed to get away. She kept this all sealed up, she says, inside her for 30 years, revealed it to her husband. It had been causing her all kinds of trauma over the years, revealed it to her therapist, she says. And she sent a letter to Diane Feinstein, who is the Feinstein, who is the ranking Democrat on the Senate Judiciary Committee, which, of course, has been handling uh, the hearings for Trump's pick for Supreme Court, Brett Kavanaugh. And... Um, she had. She doesn't even know exactly where this party supposedly happened. She doesn't know exactly when, maybe sometime around 1982. She never went to police. There's no documentation. There was never a crime for which anyone was charged. And now all these years later, um, she's out with this story, and the Democrats love it. They're running with it. Their last chance to take down the Trump pick, a conservative on the Supreme Court, the eminently qualified Judge Brett Kavanaugh. So the Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley has sent Ford's lawyers a letter saying that if she intends to come and testify on Monday or anywhere else, they'll work with her anywhere else, is she going to tell her story under oath or not? Her prepared testimony and biography are due to the committee by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Or that's it. We're moving on without her and taking a vote next week week. So I don't know whether the hearing will happen on Monday. Kavanaugh is ready to go under the TV lights. They're saying to her they want to, you know, be as accommodating as they can be. Uh, Christine, uh, you you don't have to do this in public. If you do, you don't have to be alongside Kavanaugh. You can do it here in private. Uh, We'll even send staffers out to you across the country to talk to you anywhere you want. But we need to know it's time to put up or shut up is what they're saying without actually saying it. And now Grassley is also demanding of Feinstein that she give him an unredacted letter, the unredacted version of the letter that started all of this from Christine Ford. He is demanding that. We'll see what happens. Trump on all of this, Kavanaugh and his accuser. Let's listen. I'd really want to see her. I really would want to see what she has to say. But I want to give it 
all the time they need. If she shows up, that would be wonderful. If she doesn't show up, that would be unfortunate. There you go. Uh, and again, the president's being very careful, very accommodating. We want to hear from her, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, we have an old um, schoolmate of Christine Ford who has now come forward and saying we were a couple of classes apart. But I remember hearing this story all those years ago, but I don't have any specifics on it. And I don't want the media coming after me. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I don't know where all of this is going, except that I think you're beginning to see even some people who are not really conservative in the Senate and really are anti-Trump as well, like um, like Collins in Maine, like Flake of Arizona and Corker of Tennessee saying, listen, if she doesn't tell her story in some way and commit to it by tomorrow morning, we're done with her. We're moving on. We're going to take the vote. And we're seeing increasingly that a lot of Republicans who've been wavering Well, then, if that's where we are, if she doesn't come forward, tell the story under oath in some forum and do it now, they're moving on and that they are going to vote to confirm him. And it is it is looking like Kavanaugh could be confirmed. It looks more like that to me now than it did a couple of days ago. But I still think it's going to be very close because the Senate uh, Republican advantage is only 51 49. You don't have to peel away very many votes, just a couple. And it is over the Democrats. They don't want a conservative on the court, and they don't want a nominee that Trump wants. That's what's going here, going on here. And they are using, at the very least, Christine Ford to just try to run the clock out on all of this, get it past the midterms, hopefully win the Senate, and then Trump never gets another conservative on the court. That's really the politics of all of this. It is put up or shut up time for Christine Ford. What's your thought on my take on it all, and what do you think she will ultimately do? And do you think Kavanaugh will or will not be confirmed by the Senate as the next Justice of the United States Supreme Court? You're next, 407-916-5400, and the text line 23680. Standard message and data rate supply. Yaffe, what's your latest thoughts now? We haven't heard from Christine Ford whether she's going to testify. The Republicans on the committee are are bending over backwards. Do it anywhere you want, public, private, here in your hometown, out in the West Coast. Uh, But tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, we need to know whether you're going to do it or not. And if you're not, we're moving on. Yeah, I think you said it best earlier. What else are the Republicans supposed to do? I mean, they've given this woman every opportunity to somehow testify and give her story, and she's not doing it. We just supposed to delay it forever based on an accusation with very little evidence. You can't do that. That's not how this works. Yeah, and Feinstein needs to fork over an unredacted copy of that letter now that her name yeah. is out there. That needs to happen. Grassley is demanding it. Text line incoming on this. What are they saying? Uh, yeah, one person thinks that doing a quick FBI investigation of the relevant witnesses and friends of both Kavanaugh and Ford is totally appropriate. It says if Ford is making this up, Having the FBI come in and disprove it could lead to um, lying to the FBI, and then she would be charged for that. Yeah, well, we've had six background checks on this guy through his legal career. If there's anything to this, don't you think the FBI would have found it over the years? I do. Uh, George, quickly in St. Cloud, good morning to you, George. You're on with the Budman. Hi there. But I I just think that, you know, that this has been all planned. I, I think Feinstein knew about it, and she probably had it investigated 
and found out maybe that it wasn't true because now all of a sudden she's backing off and saying it may not be true. Well, then she kind of updated and backed away from that. They're just trying to run the clock out, these Democrats, I think, George. I think that's what it's all about. They don't want another conservative, change the court, and and, 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 and so many things, I think, for, for the good, but they don't over the course of, um, of uh, the next 20 or 30 years, and they want to stick it to Trump every chance they get. Bobby, you have an angle on this out of Eustace. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you today? I'm well, and you? Uh, I woke up again, 83 years old. Holy smokes, you don't sound okay. like it. Go ahead, talk to me. Here's what we got. A 15-year-old young woman drinking, going into a bedroom with two boys with raging hormones, I think that's a little out of order. Uh, what's your take on that? So not to put her down completely. Well, what's my take on this? Kavanaugh completely denies that he was ever at such a party, nor had he ever done that to her or anyone else in his lifetime. He's a man, you know, who's noted for integrity, and that's where he stands. It used to be in this country you were innocent until proven guilty, but when it comes to the Me Too movement and all of this, and I understand a lot of guys get what they deserve in this regard, and a lot of guys are guilty of the things women come forward with. But now, you know, it's basically guys are assumed to be guilty until proven innocent. There's something fundamentally wrong with the way this is all playing out. We will continue to follow it. Deborah Roberts updating our news, particularly for those of you uh, who are just checking in on this morning's show. We've had some cops under the gun across this country in several locations. What's the latest, Deb? Yeah, well, we've got five police officers, bud, recovering from three separate shooting incidents across the country. In Los Angeles, two deputies were injured in a shootout Wednesday. One suspect is dead. Two others are in custody. Thankfully, the deputies are in serious but stable condition. Two officers in Maryland are also in stable condition after being shot in Prince George's County. There's no suspect in that case. And in Masontown, Pennsylvania, police shot and killed a suspect who was allegedly firing at people in an office building. One officer was among the four people injured. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A Texas grandmother is looking forward to a new pair of boots. Judy Cochran who was also the mayor of Livingston, Texas, shot and killed a 12-foot, 580-pound alligator. Oh, man. She says, quote, one shot in the head and he just went under, end quote. Cochran's catch is now at the local taxidermist. She says she's going to have a beautiful new pair of boots made out of the skin. Coincidentally, Cochran took the gator down in the same pond where her then 5-year-old grandson took one down in 2009. Five years old. Boy, you don't mess with that granny, do you? Yeah. We need to bring her here to Florida, pair down that gator population. Cochran offers a word of a, a word of advice to the wise. She says, quote, don't mess with Nana. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, get this. The home planet of Captain Spock from Star Trek might actually exist. Astronomers have discovered a new exoplanet that orbits 40 Eridani A, which is where the fictional planet Vulcan would be. Ah. An exoplanet is a planet located outside our sun's solar system. The newly discovered one is 16 light years away and twice the size of Earth. University of Florida astronomy professor Jian Gu says it's most likely uninhabitable, though, because of a, half of it faces a star and it's likely too hot. Gotcha. It might be possible to live on the other half, though. Uh, Gu says he wants the exoplanet to be named Vulcan. I think it should be. Why not? I think it was. Absolutely. You a Trekkie? 
You enjoy Star Trek? I, but I'm not a Trekkie. No? No. Yeah, I like the shows. I like the movies. I'm not a fanatic about it. Are and, you more you more Star Wars or, or Star Trek, Effie? Oh, I love the new Star Trek movies. Some of my favorite movies, actually. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. I yeah. almost uh, did a home shopping show once that was geared toward sci-fi fans. Really? And, oh, my goodness, did that IFB that you have to wear in your ear yes. help a lot because the, one of the producers <laughs> happened to be a Trekkie, and she helped me get I all the pronunciations that. correct. Because <laughs> yeah. if you get them wrong, you lose all credibility. Yeah. All credibility. So. What else you got, Deb? Well, feel free to start your day off or have one for uh, something for lunch. A cold slice of pizza for breakfast isn't a bad idea, though, because it's National Pepperoni Pizza Day. I love it. Pizza was invented by Italians, but the idea of adding pepperoni came from the Americas after the pies were first introduced in the States in the early 1900s. Other popular toppings include sausage, mushroom, olive, and Mike Yaffe's favorite, pineapple. Or you can oh, go toppings-free yeah. and just have a slice of cheese. Oh, please. You can celebrate today with some discounts on pizza from Domino's, Papa John's, Pizza Hut, Little Caesars, and more. You're mm, welcome. Interesting. Good stuff, Deb. Got a question for you. Yeah? Did you know that fertile females smell better to men? Dr. Kronhaus has new research on that in the house call coming up really? here. Really? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> we'll find out about it. He's got breaking health, Jeez. <laughs> got breaking health and medical news, a bag full of um, yeah. things that we all need to hear from my Dr. Ken Kronhaus coming up. Thanks, Deb. <laughs> You're welcome, bud, it's man. super having you back here with us this Thank morning. You. Here on Good Morning Orlando, we care about your health and well-being. After all, without you, who would listen to the show? That's why each Thursday at this time, we welcome our own Dr. Ken Kronhaus. My heart doctor, my friend from Lake Cardiology. Doc, welcome aboard. Always great to have you with us on Good Morning Orlando. Great to be with you, bud. So I headlined this for Deb, and it got her attention. It says, fertile females smell better to men. What's this research all about? Not making this up. From the proceedings of the Royal Society Bee this week, there is no perfume a man loves more than the scent of a fertile woman. Women who are the fittest for reproduction, bud, have a distinctive scent that makes them particularly particularly appealing to men. Women with high estrogen and low progesterone levels are most attractive to men in an olfactory sense. That's our smell. I'll be doggone. Sounds like it's all part of God's grand plan to get us together, don't you think, Doc? Exactly. <laughs> right. You know, there are strokes and there are strokes. Some are so debilitating, so serious, some not so much. And the physical condition of an individual apparently can impact the chance they're going to have a, you know, a stroke that's bad or not so bad. Exactly. Medical Neurology Journal this week. It's well known that regular exercise, bud, can help cut your risk for a stroke. The news this week is that fitness may have an added bonus. Cutting the severity of a stroke should one occur. Fitter people are twice as likely as sedentary folk to have a mild stroke rather than a severe one. And there's no sign that intense workouts are necessary. The benefit was seen among older adults who walked for an average of 30 Five minutes a day. Boy, that's encouraging news for an awful lot of folks. This is disturbing news to find out that what 30 million Americans now have diabetes, Doc. 
What else can you tell us about that? From the CDC this week, one in seven Americans, bud, has diabetes, and many do not know they have the blood sugar disease. 14% of U.S. adults have diabetes, 10% know it, and more than 4% are not yet diagnosed. A number of factors may be responsible for the increases in diabetes. Those include an aging population, since diabetes strikes the elderly more often, and also the obesity epidemic is driving the growing number of people with diabetes. You're very interesting there. You know, Doc, every time I think I've heard it all, you come up with something I've never heard before, and here it comes right now. If you're having trouble making new friends, my friend, maybe there's a liking gap involved. Liking gap, Doc? Psychological Sciences Medical Journal this week. When you meet new people, they probably like you a lot more than you think. According to this new study recently published in the journal Psychological Science, when you meet a new person, most people try to second guess how good an impression they made. The news this week is that accurately estimating how much a new conversation partner likes us is is a much more difficult task than we imagine. This is the so-called liking gap, and it can hinder your ability to make new relationships. Most interesting there. And this, this is... The news a lot of folks have waited for who suffer just crushing, debilitating migraine headaches. Apparently, a new drug has been approved. Great news. From the FDA, they've approved Ajovi, a new drug for migraine prevention in adults. The injectable drug is the only one of its kind to offer quarterly and monthly dosing options. About 40% of people living with migraine may be appropriate candidates for preventive treatment, bud. And it's amazing in conclusion, Doc, how often you bring us an item that speaks to the benefits of breastfeeding. Here's another one. From the Medical Journal Demography this week, there are numerous benefits of breastfeeding for mother and baby alike, such as shedding pregnancy weight and potentially reducing a baby's risk of contracting certain illnesses. The news this week is that more women who breastfeed for at least five months are likely to have more kids. Hmm. Do I have any idea why? Well, um, <laughs> women who breastfeed their first child for five or more months, they have more children overall and higher odds of having three or more children rather than two. And the same factors that help them to succeed in breastfeeding in the first yeah. place are also likely to help them have larger families. For instance, a spousal support or flexible working options uh-huh. might be factors that help both uh, help the new mothers breastfeed for longer and also help them have larger families. Boy, how about that? Great stuff as always. We love it when you drop by with a house call. Every Thursday morning at 8.40. Doc, thank you very much. Have a great day at Lake Cardiology. Be well, bud. I've got an appointment with Doc tomorrow to review all of the tests that I go through every couple of years up there. And I just can't wait to hang out with my good friend, Dr. K. Ken, as I call him. And um, it's always great to be with him at Lake Cardiology and his great staff. So many great, great friends there. And I've sent so many of you there. And if you haven't yet experienced Dr. Kronhaus and Lake Cardiology, How about scheduling a heart appointment there to find out what shape your ticker is in? This is the place you go, and here's how you get there. By calling them, telling them I sent you, 352-735-1400. 352-735-1400. I always talk about the amazing groundbreaking heart scan that Doc has, Um, the BudScan 2.0, as he now calls it. It's the best out there. It'll end all the guesswork about what shape your heart's in. 
and it saves lives every day. Most of the time, insurance picks up the tab. Ask if the Bud Scan might be right for you. And if you love Doc on the house call, you'll love him on his nationally syndicated radio program that we proudly carry on WFLA. Tune in right here every Sunday afternoon at 2 for Good Day Health with Dr. Ken. Playing sound judgment right now. Contestants in place, and let's talk about the prize, Steph. Yes, bud. So today, our winner gets their very own copy of the brand new Trump Policy board game. Play Trump Policy with your family, play it with your friends, and very soon you'll know whether they are your friends. Trump Policy gives everyone a chance to voice their opinion on key issues of the day and stand up for the kind of America they want. The new Trump Policy game, a $40 value, is available at trumppolicy.net. You're going to love this. All right, now, if you're getting a run. Uh, if you're getting busy signal now, wait for a wrong answer. Open up a line at 407-916-5400. Got to move along here. Earlier in the show, we had the head ball coach, Steve Spurrier, live in our studio talking about the new Alliance of American Football uh, League and the team he'll be coaching here and revealing the new name is the Orlando Apollos. Now, Spurrier, of course, is a Florida Gator football legend. Their winning his coach in history led them to a national championship. And in his playing days as the Gators quarterback, Spurrier won the school's first Heisman Trophy. For today's sound judgment game, listen to a little sound of the Gators fight song, and then you tell me this. Who was president of the United States when Spurrier won the Heisman? Gave you time to think it over. Who was the president when Spurrier won the Heisman? Turn down the uh, turn down the radio and talk to me. Line four. Okay, you got to listen to the phone, gang. Line three, you're up next. Who was president when Spurrier won the Heisman? LBJ. Absolutely right, because it was 1966. I'm impressed. Congratulations, my friend. <laughs> That's the year I was born. I knew that one. Well, how about that? And <laughs> you should know that. What's your first name, please? Mike from Enterprise. All right, Mike, I'm going to pop you a note. I'm going to get you off air with Steph. I am running out of time here. Congratulations, and thanks for listening to our show. Thanks, bud. All right, Mike, there we go. We have a winner. That's it. Good morning, Orlando. Thursday edition from the Front Gate Realty Studio from your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. Have a great day. We'll look for you tomorrow morning from 6 until 9. Yaffe's bringing his new girlfriend in. We're going to meet her. Man, we'll put her on the radio, too. For the whole gang, the Bud Man, thank you. God bless you, and God bless America.